0: Hey, one of the, one of the things that we 've been talking about over the kingdom in regards to the kingdom of God is last week, if you go to the next one, thanks Thea. Um, we talked about how one of the beautiful things that God set this movement of churches up to be about is that everyone gets to participate in the ministry of Jesus. everyone gets to play and and we recounted that story of how John Wimber, not long after he was saved and, and came into the kingdom. He, he, he went to church with his friend for the first time. And as they went to church, he and Carol, um, you know, they, they went through the service. And then at the end of the service, there was a, you know, God bless you. Have a great week. See you next week. And John turned to his friend and he said, when do we get to do the stuff? And his friend went, what do you mean? And he said, you know, the stuff that's in the Bible. You know, when do we get to do the stuff that Jesus does? Um, and he said, because I gave up drugs for this. In other words, for John, he was saying, "This is a big deal for me to come into a relationship with Jesus. I was willing to give everything away because Jesus was so compelling." And so, one of the one of the the beautiful things that the Holy Spirit has um, uh, released through that little encounter that John shared with God was now a whole movement of people where. You go to any vineyard church anywhere in the world and there is always an invitation for people to engage in participating in the ministry of Jesus. And um, for many people that, that can feel odd or even a little like risky, but that's the nature of this thing. It's called a journey of faith and faith, John also coined the phrase, is spelt R-I-S-K, Faith is spelt R-I-S-K. Well, one of the other things that I want to tap into this morning and just touch on is the idea of being naturally supernatural. You may remember a few weeks ago when I sort of made a few comments about how please don't try and be, you know, Benny Hinn when you're doing ministry. Please don't try and be Trent Jacobs. And I said, please don't try and use the, the right inflection when you say the word... Jesus when you're praying so that maybe in the inflection it might help do something uh just and and we just I was starting to push on this whole area of the fact that God wants you to be you and he wants to see you partner with his Holy Spirit, where in fact you don't lose the distinctives about who you are. In fact, the distinctives of who you are get celebrated and highlighted and released as a gift to the people around you and a testimony to the world that look at this amazing creation of God. And it sends a testimony to people of like, oh my goodness, this is an incredible thing. God is alive. God is there. And one of the things that at the vineyard, in the vineyard, another phrase or another um, uh, distinctive in regards to our understanding of the kingdom of God and the ministry of Jesus is that God has called us to be a people who are naturally supernatural. If we can get the click on the next slide, thanks, Thea. Um, Naturally supernatural. Gary Best, who was a vineyard pastor in Canada, and uh, was one of their, one of their first national director of, uh, in, in Canada. He tells the story of when he first started to encounter the supernatural ministry of the Holy Spirit and Jesus through people, just like himself. And he tells the story how he went to this conference that Wimber was facilitating. And then at the end of the conference, There was the usual ministry time where people were getting touched by the Holy Spirit. People were being healed by the Holy Spirit. God was doing all this stuff. And he said, and he was a bit like completely run over with what he was witnessing. Gary was a bit like, this is amazing what I'm seeing. And he and his friend stayed there in that conference room right until nearly the end of the night when they and he and his friend and then this small group of people... The last bastions, you know, there's always at conferences, there's always this group that just want to suck every possible moment out of a a conference, you know. And they're up the front and they're just, we're not leaving here until we have squeezed every moment out of this that God wants to offer us. And they were praying for a lady in a wheelchair. So anyway, Gary and his friend were over here talking about it. And then he said, all of a sudden, you know, everyone else is gone except for this group of about eight people and the lady in the wheelchair. And then all of a sudden, this lady in the wheelchair stands up. And he said, at that moment, he said, I realised, actually, this isn't just like someone had a broken leg and they're now standing up. There's something more going on here. And Gary's attention was drawn to it. And the other thing he was drawn to was the fact that there was, there was no big names in the building, there was no, he he says, you know, there was no big hair people in the building, he says. There was no anointed names, no big, na- you know, there was no one in the building except these eight people who were just conference junkies, wanting to get everything they could out of God in that moment, and they were praying for a lady in a wheelchair. And he said, before you know it, not only is this lady standing up, but then within minutes of her standing up they were sort of walking with her and she was all kind of wobbling and everything but within 10 minutes this woman was running around the auditorium and only Gary and his friend and these eight other people were there to witness this and he asked he did a bit of an interview afterwards and he said this lady's situation was that she had paralysis from an accident 8 years ago and then Jesus healed her in that moment and she was able to walk and you know freely Under the goodness of God again. Now who were those eight people? Who were the eight? You'll never know. Neither will I. Neither will the rest of the world. And neither probably will that woman who actually received healing. She'll probably just have a testimony that says, There were these eight people, they just hung in there until the end of the end of the end of the conference. That was so like, we want everything of the kingdom of God in this moment. They just hung in there with me and they prayed with me and I received my healing from Jesus as his kingdom touched me. Who were the eight? Well, I want to suggest that the eight are people just like me and just like you. They were the eight. No big name, no famous face, just people following Jesus, hungry for his kingdom to come. And in the vineyard, one of the things that we've discovered is that we, we love being people. We don't want to be, I don't know, angels or, you know, super spirit. We actually just want to be people filled with the Holy Spirit doing what Jesus does. That's who we are. And and that we're a people who love to partner with God and to bring the good news of his kingdom to people. Last weekend um, I was in Sydney with Nicole and with with Lynette here and David and we were down in Sydney joining with uh, vineyard folk from all around Australia and we were just asking for God's heart for the vineyard movement and for our nation. And anyway, we start, we always, Nicole and always love to start the prayer conference with a big breakfast. So we book out this cafe that's about five minutes from the venue and we feed everyone, you know, just a big feed of bacon and eggs and coffees and just whatever. We just we love to fellowship together with people because God loves to fellowship with people. And he's in the midst of that sort of thing when we get around the table. Well, anyway, we're sitting around the table before this, as, as we're having breakfast with everyone from around Australia. And it was a, it was a pretty good time, actually. I had a great time, um, not only at breakfast, but the prayer conference itself. But anyway, there was this one young lady I was sitting next to I had Nicole on my left, and then I had uh, Noah, yes, I had no one on my right, and then I had Alyssa from Cabramatta Vineyard in Sydney. And Alicia was there, Elisa was there. and the waitress was serving the food. There was a couple of young waitresses and they were serving food. And this one particular young waitress came over and she was starting to deliver her food to us and it was noticeable that she had no strength in one of her hands. And so her hand was very shaky and she was quickly trying to put the plate down because it was heavy and she had no strength in her arm. And Alicia, she, Alyssa was just right onto it. She said, oh, I noticed that your arm is shaking and you don't seem to have much strength in your arm. And... Um, and her, her, she had a name badge on. Her name was Layla, and uh, Layla was probably—I mean, I—I I think she looked like she was probably about eighteen or nineteen, and um, and she was um, trying to serve the food. And so she t- said to um, Alyssa, "Yeah, I've injured my my hand, my pinky," and and she showed us the side of her hand. She said it's all bruised and. And it feels like it's broken and the pain shoots right up my arm so that whenever I grab something, it's like the pain is there and it's all shaky and I can't do anything with it. And then I said, oh. And as she turned her hand over, I went, oh. And all of her knuckles, every single one of her knuckles had a bruise on them, on both hands. And they were all swollen and bruised. And I just said, what's happened to your hands? And she said, oh. She said, I'm a boxer. I box for sport. And I'm like, wow, that's a full-on sport <laughs> for a young lady to be wanting to put herself in the ring like that and, and come away with those injuries. And so I just said to her, I said, would you mind if we just took a minute just to pray that Jesus might heal your hand so that you can have strength back in your arm and you can go about doing your, your work without pain? And, know that? and so she said, actually, that would be good. Thank you. And so we grabbed her hand, both Alyssa and I, we grabbed her hand and we started to pray and we asked the kingdom of God to come and touch her. And as as we were praying like this, it was evident that the Holy Spirit was beginning to touch her and her eyes got really wide and opened and a little bit teary and she was like, what's happening to me? And we just told her, we said, that presence that you're feeling right now is Jesus and he wants you to know that he loves you and wants a relationship with you. And we're just praying that your hand would be healed. Well, by the time we finished praying, um, she she quickly obviously was feeling a bit awkward in the moment as well because it was a public thing going on and all that. And she sort of dashed back off to work. And then at the end of the morning, she came back up to me and she just said to me, I want to say thank you so much for praying for my hand. And she was able to demonstrate to me that she had strength back in her hand. And I was just like... Hot dog, you know? Now, hot dog, I mean, that's the kingdom of God at work. Now, who were those people that were sitting in the cafe that day? No one will know. No one will know. Layla won't even know. She won't even remember the fact that we said, oh, this is a listener and I'm Kirk. All she's going to remember is these people, whoever they were, they prayed for me that God would heal me and Jesus touched me. And now Jesus has become very real to her. So I, now, the good thing is that little cafe is only about five minutes from the church. And so I said to everyone on Sunday morning at the church, I said, now listen, guys, there's some serious low-hanging fruit where God has already been at work, <laughs> right, like a couple of blocks away from here. Just over the next couple of months, if one of you every every day, just a different one of you just walks in and just asks after, how's your hand since Jesus touched it? I mean, she will just be like, God's on my case. He's like people, this stream of people. So anyway, the reason why I share that story is because if you look at us, we're just people. We're people. We're everyday people. And yet we're, my question, you know, the question that Phil Strout, the director of Vineyard News USA, would ask, he would ask this. Were was, was that Was that little group of people in the coffee shop, were they on... Cafe evangelism ministry to heal the sick, or were they just friends of Jesus who happened to be present when the kingdom of God was at hand to want to break in and touch someone's life? And I would say it's the latter. It's that. There's these God moments happening all around us all the time where God's looking for you to partner with Him to do the ministry of Jesus and he doesn't need you to be anyone other than yourself and it can be very naturally supernatural so you know now Mick here he's got a well it's probably a little dialed down these days but his his accent's probably not as strong as it once was when he lived in Ireland and he, but he lives in Australia you know he's lived here for a while now so you know an Irish person might come along and go wow you sound a bit Aussie now Mick but anyway God needs Mick to be Mick. Now Mick drives, you um, still driving the gas bottle truck around the place? Yeah, yeah. So the Lord needs Mick to be Mick, just driving the, the truck every day and as he's delivering gas bottles, just to be with present enough in his relationship with God that if there's a nudge, like all of a sudden Mick's heart, goes towards someone he sees or a, or a customer or he has this thought about their well-being, that Mick might just step into that space because it's Jesus inviting Mick to want to connect with what God's already doing in someone else's life. But Mick, don't try and sound like me when you do it, all right? Or don't try and sound like Tom or Dave or Matt or Dave up the back. Just We need you to sound like, well, God needs you to sound like you because only you can be you. Am I, am, I, am I driving home the point here enough? We really, this is what God loves: is His people partnering with Him to do the stuff. Now, if you've got your Bible with you, can we click? Click. Yep. In Luke chapter ten, I'm just going to read a few verses to you. But so Jesus has um, authorized twelve people to get, get busy doing the stuff, and they go out and do the stuff. And the twelve, you can you can actually read in the scriptures who were the twelve. They were his sort of inner circle of disciples. And that the, the scriptures name them. And then Jesus authorizes this next tier of people. And it's called this the head of the scripture this scripture is titled The Seven Descending Out of the Seventy Two. Well, who are the seventy two? The scripture actually never says who the seventy two were, because that's not the point. It's not about being a name, it's just about being a, one of Jesus' people. So let's read this. Verse 1. After the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town where he was about to go, he told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. Go. That's a great sentence. It's even got an exclamation mark on the end of it. I think Jesus was emphatically trying to say something. (laughs) Go. (laughs) Anyway, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Now that part's not too inviting. But anyway, but do not take a purse or sandals and don't greet anyone on the road. Jumping down to verse 8, when you enter a town and are welcome to eat what's set before you, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. Here's that word and works type thing again. Proclaim the word, do the works. Proclaim the word, do the works. We had that quote from Wimber a couple of weeks ago. To say, I love you and not do anything about it is incomplete. To say, I'll pray for you and not actually pray is incomplete. In other words, do the stuff, word and works. Verse 17, next slide, thanks, uh, Thea. And then the 72 returned with joy and they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Next slide, thanks, Thea. The 72, well, who are they? The point is, Luke, he, when he's writing his gospel... This is a doctor. He's a man of great precision and thought. And he even says there at the start of his gospel, as he's writing to his friend Theophilus, he says, therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seems good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. So this is a, for Luke, the gospel has got Every bit of exact information and critical detail that it needs for the gospel to be proclaimed and for people to come into the kingdom of God. Now note though that in his you know, desire for precision detail, he just takes a big group of 72 people and he goes, the 72. That's how detailed he was for that. And I think we need to listen to that because it's an important distinction between when he names names and when he names groups because the 72 was their name. Yes. Oh, there you go. Um, kingdom moments. I, just that next slide, thanks. I've already used that quote there in kingdom moments where, where Strout says, Are we on shopping center evangelism ministry or are we being ourselves doing our shopping? And we see a moment where God, where we see and hear the love of God invite us into partnering with His love, bringing freedom and salvation to people. Well, it's definitely the latter. We're doing our shopping, we're just doing our life, and then we get these kingdom assignments. You see, John, Jesus says in John 5 17, He says, my father is always at work and so am I. So if he's always at work, the father's always at work bringing the kingdom and Jesus is always at work partnering with the father to bring the kingdom, I find it staggering that on most days we as the people of Jesus struggle to see what God's doing when God's always at work and we feel like actually where are you God are you even going to save me or the people you know my family or the people in my street often God is waiting for us in those moments where we notice Layla the boxer struggling in her everyday doing of life and we allow the compassion of God to move us towards towards them John 5:19 Jesus says and I only do what I see my father doing I think for me one of the biggest journeys I found along the way is once I got over myself was actually learning to rely not on myself anymore but on the fact that God if he was going to invite me into these spaces and these moments that I could rely on him there's a there's a beautiful picture of when uh, John Wimber shares his testimony and he'd given his life to Jesus. And then in the moment that he was giving his life to Jesus, he was reminded of a man that used to walk up and down the streets in Las Vegas with a sandwich board on and he was advertising. And on the front of the board, it said, I'm a fool for Christ. And then as he walked away, the back of the board said, and whose fool are you? I'm a fool for Christ, whose fool are you? See, for John, he resolved in that moment when he met with Jesus that I'm just going to be about my father's business and he's always at work and I just want to do what he's doing. And one of the challenges that we have to overcome is this sense of feeling foolish in the eyes of others. It's a really big deal. Um. Oh, I was watching something. I can't. Anyway, it's just gone out of my head. Um, one of the th- oh, that's what I was watching. <laughs> I was watching. I was trying to have a day off yesterday, so I was watching um, Jerry Seinfeld and Jimmy Fallon having a conversation together in 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 this little show that Jerry has on Netflix called "Comedians in Cars Having Coffee." If you've ever seen it, it's great. If you haven't seen, yeah, get on there. It's a bit of a laugh. But Jerry is a really complex character. But they're having this banter over a cup of coffee while they're in the coffee shop. And Jerry says to um, Jimmy, he says, do you ever feel like just before you're about to go on and you're about to get on stage and bring your act or you go on stage and do your show, he says, do you ever feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm the wrong person for this moment. I just don't have everything that I need to be able to do this. And Jimmy's like, yeah, all the time. But then Jimmy said, but then once I step through that and I actually get onto the the stage or into the moment, he said, I feel like I was born for that space and I find freedom in that space. There's this threshold that Jerry, I think Jerry, while he was talking, I mean, he's a world-class comedian, this guy. He is a brilliant comedian. And yet in that moment of asking Jimmy, it's something that Jerry struggles with. He feels like he's a phony and he's illegitimate and no one's going to like what I've got to bring and yet once he steps through the threshold, it's like there's a whole world of people out there who's like, we love your stuff, Jerry, keep it coming. And, so, and same with um, Jimmy Fallon, that when they actually step across that threshold of overcoming their own sense of foolishness in their own eyes in the eyes of others, all of a sudden they find the right space that they've been made for. You know, God calls every single one of us over these thresholds, whether it's a conversation with our children or our our adult children, whether it's a moment in the shopping centre where we see someone and our heart goes towards them, whether someone's serving us a coffee and we notice their hand is shaking because they can't have strength in their arm, There's there's this moment of... Will I still lean into relying on my own sense of self or will I risk being a fool for Jesus and find him meeting me in that space? Naturally supernatural. That's one of the wonderful things about who we are in the vineyard. We just want to be those kind of people who go, yeah, I'm struggling with all of this, but you know what? I'm going to go with you, Lord, and in that we find great freedom and joy in those opportunities of kingdom breakthrough. The assignments are all around the place, all the time, and God's constantly inviting you to step in there. Now, someone reminded me the other day, could I go to the next slide, please? Thanks, Thea. Of this great analogy called the empty toolbox. So Jesus commissions the 70 or 72, however you want to read that, Jesus commissions them and he he sends them with his power and his authority. And he says, don't take a bag, don't take too much money. In other words, run light, run lean, get moving. Uh, You probably don't have a lot of time to pack the house up to get the move going. Just go, get moving. In other words, the father is busy at work. His kingdom's breaking in all over the place. And so there's not a lot of tools to carry in a small bag. There's not a lot of you know stuff you can bring with you when it's just the sandals on your feet. Let's go. And one of the things that um, I, I just want to touch on here is the encouragement from God and his scriptures that when we step into those places with what we seems like not a lot of resource, God meets us there with the resource of his kingdom. His kingdom resource is waiting there for us to step into it. Um, And we use this story or this illustration called The Empty Toolbox. Um, Acts 1, 4 and 5 reads on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And we see that in the book of Acts, the Jesus people have an outpouring of the Spirit upon them. That's the defining marker of these people now. And it's not only on them, but Paul also talks about how that Fills them, So they're filled with the Spirit, even as the Spirit is on them. And in Ephesians 1, verse 13, it reads, And you who were also included in Christ, when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you were believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So, point is this. If we have been filled with the Spirit, and we are marked with the Spirit, and we have the Spirit on us, we have the seal of the Spirit, the first fruits of the kingdom of God on us, in us, filling us. When we turn up to praying or following God into a moment like in the cafe in Sydney the other day, we can be reassured that all of the fullness of the Holy Spirit, of the person of the Spirit and who he is, is right there ready to go. We don't we don't want for anything. We just turn up. And the empty toolbox analogy is we reach in for what we need to the Holy Spirit. In other words, if it's an issue for healing, we go, Holy Spirit, we just lean into you right now (laughs) and ask that you would give healing (laughs) in Jesus' name. Or if it's a word of um, comfort, Holy Spirit, give me the word right now that would just comfort this broken heart. Or if it's a word of hope, or if it's a demonstration of power to set someone free from some form of oppression or demonic bondage. It's like, oh, Holy Spirit, we need your power now to come and bring deliverance in the name of Jesus. We lean into the Holy Spirit. He's all there. We're not waiting for something to turn up. He's all there. We're not waiting for something to come on us. He's already within us, and we're actually asking him to loose the character the confidence and the tools of who he is in that moment through us for the well-being of another, and we partner with God. So know this, even though sometimes, and I feel like this all the time actually, I'm turning up into things I'm like, oh God, oh God, oh God, I don't know what to do here, but you do, please come. And so I just go with the obvious. You know, Captain Obvious, it's like, oh, that's, yeah, it's Captain Obvious. I just go with the obvious and lean in and ask God to bring the obvious for the situation. God's inviting all of us to be naturally supernatural. Keep leaning into the Holy Spirit. We're not asking something to come on us. We're asking for something to be released within us, for he is already there. Just turn up and reach into the toolbox, even if you've never been in that situation before. Um, I'm going to call it, we're going to call it in a minute. Um, And I just want to finish with this last quote from Wimber. This is a great, Great little quote. God has given us a vision to see the body of Christ move from being an inactive audience to a spirit-filled army. This isn't about a one-man show. This is about equipping the saints for the work of the kingdom. This is not about a one-man show. This is about equipping the saints for the work of the kingdom. I'm not sure if I shared that story a few weeks ago, but um, the story of how he, John, had just done this been at this conference and just had this amazing ministry time the power of god was moving people were getting healed people were coming under the the works of the spirit it was just a massive move of the inbreaking power and presence of god in this meeting and he thought it was fantastic and he came down from the stage at the end of that and carol just his wife carol said to him john don't ever do that again And he's like, what? What? You know, like, God was moving us. She says, don't ever do that again, John, because when only you do that, only you get to be the hero and everyone else has to watch. Don't ever do that again. Wisdom of God. And so from that point on, he changed changed things up and made a deliberate point of going, we are here so that everyone can do the stuff. Now, if you're wanting to learn how to do the stuff, I do want to encourage you, it's in the notices there, in a couple of Sunday nights' time, Neil MacArthur and uh, JB, John Bajaya, they're going to start to facilitate a few workshops every other Sunday night on healing the sick and how to follow the Spirit. And what does that sound like when God's speaking to you? What does that look like when you say, I can see God doing this? And, you know, it's going to sound a little bit nuts and boltsy, but that's how you get into doing the stuff. Is you see something and then you pull it apart and you go, what was happening for you in that moment, both as the person receiving prayer and the person doing the praying? What were you seeing? What gifts of the Spirit were in operation? And so forth and so forth and so forth. And we just get to learn how to do the stuff. And we just create a safe space and environment to have a go at doing this stuff. And we invite you, come, if you've never been to one of those, come, bring your friends. You, they don't, you know, if they come from other parts of the body of Jesus, they're more than welcome. We love to equip anyone that wants to just do what Jesus does. So, this morning, I just want to finish by praying that prayer, that vision, that the Holy Spirit might come and speak to the places of inactivity in us or passivity. Or fear. Holy Spirit, would you just do that? Would you come? Would you come? And would you just highlight that the places and the bits of inactivity in us and the anxiety that rises in us? Just just come? And would you begin to touch those places? And would you fill those moments, those spaces, those places in us? Come, fill us, God. Give us the courage and the strength to reject the fear, to rebuke it, to reject the anxiety, to rebuke it, to reject the passivity, to rebuke it. And that, Father, you would give us a vision Of where you're already at work in the lives of the people around us. The ones you're seeking to invite us to partner with you in seeing them coming into love and life and freedom. This is for everyone, Holy Spirit. Everyone. There's a number of you who right now you can you can see the the spirit is on you there's a conversation happening here pay attention to it There was a picture the Lord showed me last night as I was going to bed, and He showed me this picture of um, just this massive um, lineup of people—Jesus people—and um, and there was all of these, you know, names of uh, you know n- people in the Christian world that are named that we would automatically go think about. And all of these named people were walking along in front of this massive line of Jesus people who were like in the scripture, like Luke. They were just this big group of people. They were Jesus' people, but there was no name to them other than a big group of Jesus' people. And these names were touching the big group, one by one, one by one. And there were spiritual impartations and there was spiritual power and there was spiritual authority being imparted into all of these big group of Jesus people. A bit like when Jesus said, my authority I give you. And as they had finished praying with them, this big line of Jesus people just turned around and then they just started running, running to people. In all sorts of locations and places, they were running to people. They were running to them in service stations. They were running to them in shopping centres, at swimming pools. They were just running into houses. They were running everywhere. It kind of looked like from where I was. It was kind of random and yet they were running with focus and they knew where they had to go. And they ran and they reached and they touched and they loved people. And then the next thing I saw was these great big parties happening all over the place, all the different destinations that they went to. There was all of these parties taking place. And so I said, Lord, what is that? And he said, Kirk, my people have got so much of my imparted spiritual authority and power, and I'm just longing for them to turn now and run and go to the ones where they see me at work because there's a kingdom party waiting for that encounter for people to come alive to God and dead to sin. Holy Spirit, so much impartation has happened in so many of our lives. Help us to be okay with being ourselves loved by you And I pray now that you would give us vision and hunger and activation to want to partner with you in going to the people that are just waiting for the party to begin. The kingdom of God is at hand. Show us them, Lord. Show us. And I ask now, Heavenly Father, for an activating work of the Holy Spirit, not through the hands of any man or woman, but by the power of your love. Would you come upon your people? fuel them again, Holy Spirit. There's some of you in the room who right now, you're going, you know what? I want to get hooked up to Jesus today. Some of you want to get hooked up to Jesus Lord Jesus, I want to be hooked up to you. I want to welcome you into my life as Lord and King, and I want to enter into your kingdom and come out from underneath the kingdom of darkness. Lord Jesus, would you welcome me? I just by faith would say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you died and that you broke the power of death and that you rose again, and that by faith in my heart right now, I just say thank you that you made a way for me to live eternally in your good kingdom and underneath the grace of a loving God. And I say thank you that you welcome me into your kingdom. And some of us are getting hooked up to Jesus now because even as we're sitting here, it's almost as if you can feel him pulling you out of the building. It's almost like you can feel him pulling you out of the building. There's a party he wants you to run with him to. That's this week's assignment. <laughs> Discipleship assignment this week. Go and get involved in the party that God's inviting you into with other people. I feel like that's it. That's it. That's the, part. That's the invitation of the Holy Spirit today. Go and join God where he's part. he wants to bring the party of his kingdom. No condemnation, just purely the love and the power of the Holy Spirit at work in you and through you. In Jesus' name, amen.